0: Welcome to this episode of Insufficient Facts. For the best listening experience, we recommend joining us on our website at insufficientfacts.com, where you can follow along with our notes and sources throughout the episode. There, you can also submit questions to the panelists about the episode by clicking on Ask the Panelists. Today's episode of Insufficient Facts is brought to you by All In My Head, an audio drama about Nova, a young woman suffering from sleep paralysis. As she tries to get to the bottom of her condition, she discovers there may be more to the monsters in her dreams than she thinks. Stick around at the end of the episode for a sneak peek of the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Insufficient Facts. Today we're going to take you through the concept and the science, some of the science that's behind this idea of dark matter. And you've probably heard this term thrown around, but kind of like what it is and why we care about it and if we even really know that it's there or <laughs> how we could even figure out if it's there. All yeah. We're going to kind of all delve into all of these ideas uh, today. So we're going to start you off with our recent headlines topic. Um, we're going to talk to you about <laughs> basically how the almost the entire field of cosmology is is kind of uh, up in arms or in a panic about <laughs> how to properly measure. Yeah, the universe yeah. which is you would think it's pretty important it's like you know it's it's good that we we should really make sure that we're properly measuring the universe but it's it's a really difficult tricky thing to do it's very tricky so you know it's it's there's a lot of debate that's going around how to properly measure the universe.
1: It's hard to account for all that baryonic matter out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to account for I a lose, lot of I lose
1: it sometimes as well. <laughs> I feel for them.
0: <laughs> See, that's why measuring dog schools I can just take a set of like calipers like a ruler and be yeah. like, oh, okay, this is...
1: Well, this raises the question of like why I even try to measure all the matter in the universe, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and we will... We should... We'll definitely get into all of that, I think, because why even do we care about measuring dark matter? And then we'll kind of do uh, a short and sweet uh, science fiction versus science fact um, about a particular... We'll talk about a couple instances. One is uh, an episode of Futurama that mentions uh, dark matter, Mm -hmm. and the other is... um, There's uh, quite a few instances where dark matter is mentioned in in kind of like fiction or science fiction, um, and we'll kind of talk about how much detail they go into behind the science of it, and generally the answer is, is not much, but we'll yeah, talk about with that. With this
2: one, it's going to be mostly fiction.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, mostly fiction, um, which I don't blame them. It's, it's a hard concept to come across in it with a lot of scientific accuracy because we just don't know a lot about it, and yeah. it's hard to kind of wrap your head around. And then uh, Raquel will lead us through our Bizarre Science segment where she's going to talk about mm. a galaxy that exists without dark matter. They think. They think. (laughs) They think it has no dark matter, which is weird because we thought that that was basically essential for a galaxy was Mm -hmm. to contain dark matter. So, Mm -hmm. this is kind of an an oddball galaxy if it really does contain no dark matter. And then Kyle's going to lead us through a classic segment where he's going to talk to you about kind of where this concept of dark matter even came from. Like, how did we even start thinking about it or talking about it or thinking that it was a thing that we might need to know more about to explain the it universe matters. it really does it matters because it's dark matter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
2: knee slapper. as a knee slapper <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, he slapped
0: knees. I did and then uh we'll end as usual with our our lifting the veil segment where we'll tell you kind of what's look we're looking forward to what's going on in our lives as as grad students and as people not just scientists mm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's start off with our recent headline segment so this was a recent headline in Wired um, that's talking about how cosmology is in this crisis over how to measure the universe. Yeah. So there are two general methods of, of measuring how the universe is ex- – we'll just talk about this. We know that <laughs> – we've talked about this before in, in a previous yeah. episode, mm-hmm. right, about how the universe is expanding and how we know that it's expanding, right? So um, – you should kind of, kind of revisit some of our previous topics if you want to hear more about us talking about like Doppler shifts and, yeah. you know, red shifts and blue shifts the and space stars. Episode. Our space episode, yeah, um, where we talk a little bit about how we even know our about the universe and how the universe is expanding. But we can, you know, a big part of of physics today and and cosmology is measuring how much is, is it's expanding and measuring, kind of how much matter is out there in in the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Because this, you know, we know that there's a lot of force that's generated by things that have mass, Mm -hmm. uh, right, essentially. So you can kind of calculate through acceleration and through how fast things are moving. You can calculate how much mass you would think there would be Mm -hmm. in the universe or in a particular area. But oftentimes the speed and... (laughs) directionality in uh, which things are moving is not perfectly explained by just the visible things in that solar system or galaxy or or particular area, right? Like the planets and the mass that matter that you see doesn't explain all of the physics that is being observed, essentially. So there's these discrepancies, and that's kind of like a, a lot of what science is, is like you find something that doesn't quite match up, and then it bugs you to all heck as to why it's not matching up, like where this discrepancy <laughs> is coming from. So then it just is like that little nugget in you that's like, why, why, why is this Why is this the case? Yeah. Why, why doesn't this make sense given what I know or given what I've, I've observed? So um, that's kind of why, you know, it's really important to figure out how to measure the universe properly because yeah. that could explain a lot of these discrepancies is just how we're measuring. Well, yeah. here's things. another
1: great reason to measure how much matter there is in the universe. Mm -hmm. We all know that gravity is an attractive force. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if there's the right energy density and mass density in the universe, then everything will come crashing down at the end of the universe, right? Mm Because everything's attractive. Right. But it turns out that the universe is expanding. Yes. And the acceleration of that expansion is increasing. Yes. And so if we can account for all the matter in the universe, then we can make a really good prediction about Not only where the universe came from, but where it's going. Going,
0: Yeah, Yeah. what's going to happen at that critical point where maybe the there seems to be
1: just the right amount of matter in the universe that the uh, universe will like sort of like is flat and stationary.
2: You know, I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that's just like. Let's live in the moment. <laughs> Why are Let's we worried about, about the, death universe of the universe in the beginning or the end?
0: <laughs> I mean, our lives, in, in in context, our lives are absolutely fractionally yeah. a part of, yeah. of the grand scheme of the life of the universe. Well,
1: the matter, these
2: are important questions.
1: Yeah, the matter density also determines the shape of the entire universe, whether it's closed on itself like a saddle mm-hmm. or whether it's open like mm-hmm. a sphere or whether it's completely flat.
2: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's important just to understand you have to in order to really make advances, maybe in like, you know, our technology, you have to at least understand what the baseline is that we're working with. Right. You kind of have to understand the physics of the universe. So, you know, maybe if one day I, you know, I'm not a physicist, but like (laughs) I like to think that maybe one day we'll have like some cool warp drive or like really, you know, advanced interstellar travel. But I, I think that would only ever be even a remote possibility if we understood kind of what's going on in our universe and how the physics of it work.
2: Yeah, this article is really great. It was published on November twentieth by Sarah Scholes and she does a good job of conveying both the excitement and the fear (laughs) of the scientists Mm -hmm. who are working on this, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome because they're both like they don't know what's going on, but at the same time they aren't afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And they see it as we could be on the verge of the next huge discovery. Mm-hmm. Like we could find out that the universe is actually more interesting than we ever thought it was before. Right.
1: Well, and I think this really gets back to like what the spirit of a scientist is. Yeah. Right. You should have the work habits of a librarian, but the creative energy of a poet.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah. I. It's funny because I. You know, my someone, my postdoc in my lab. Like I was working on this code to analyze this data that I have recently, and she was like. I was like, Oh man, it's not working And then finally I got it to work and she's like, Well, you know, you really like you you impress me because she's like you never get really frustrated when it's not working you you just kind of find it to be a puzzle and then you just work it through i was like oh yeah like i she's like yeah i've never seen you like cry or get upset like really upset over (laughs) and people that happens like sometimes it's so frustrating to not have something working that you get upset to the point of crying but i'm she but what she said was totally right is like i see it as a as a puzzle as a problem that Mm -hmm. i can i know i can solve i just have to kind of like piece it or just like a really tough knot you just kind of like little piece by piece kind of unravel it and then it'll it'll slowly make more sense and you'll make these steps of progress towards yeah. your understanding or getting it to work. And I think that's really valuable as a scientist is not to see something that's not working as like a defeat mm-hmm. or really like upsetting. It's just a puzzle to be solved.
2: This is something that um, Carol Dweck has actually talked about. She's a psychologist. Mm. Uh, growth mindset. A lot of our listeners probably will be familiar with that term. But it is like approaching problems or adversity or any issues in your life with the like confidence that you can adapt and like learn from it. Yeah. And it's not seen as a defeat or something that's gonna hinder your progress. No,
0: that's I didn't know that about that, but I think that's absolutely the mindset that I have and I think is really an important one in grad school or in any career is just not to beat yourself up too much about it, but just yeah. see it as you're learning still and you're growing and it's an opportunity to expand on your skill sets and your expand, knowledge.
2: Expand like the, the universe. universe. Mm. <laughs> you are a universe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's that, that gif of that guy who is like this white dude in front of like a starry scene and he just like his brain, he mimes his brain like exploding. <laughs> that's that's how I feel sometimes yeah, when we talk same,
2: about Same, same.
0: So anyway, back to this headline um, just to kind of close out what it's saying in detail is that there's a number of different ways that have been used historically to measure the universe. So um there's but there every time, depending on which way you measure it, there's discrepancies mm-hmm. essentially between yeah. the methods. So um because there's these discrepancies in depending on which method you use to measure it, there's still obviously work that needs to be done mm-hmm. and questions that need to be solved. Yeah so, A lot of this, like, intrigue and mystery comes from... And this is also, like, very much the the debate around dark matter is, like, in many ways, dark matter, if you incorporate it into your calculations or if you incorporate it into your understanding of the universe, it does help explain some of the physics uh, and some of the things that we're measuring. But Mm -hmm. in other ways, it complicates things even more and leads to even more questions about how certain things are working. So it is at once a problem solver and also a problem generator, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't completely solve the puzzle piece of the universe, but that's probably the most complex puzzle there is to solve. Yeah, so. and we'll get into
1: the origin of this puzzle yes. a little bit later.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a very complicated pu- puzzle, but maybe it's just, just one piece. Mm. Um, so I'm going to take us now into our, our science fiction versus science fact segment. Um, there's a lot of... People, I think, in science fiction or or fantasy or fiction, uh, you you see dark matter thrown around kind of as a term, a little willy nilly, um, without really much justification or explanation. So usually it's some kind of energy source, yeah. And it seems to be a really great one that is like super powerful, way better than any energy source that we currently have. And if you could tap into it, it'd be. You know, an amazing energy source, but mm-hmm. or in other instances, sometimes it's used as like a source of of magic mm. um, or an ability or a, some kind of power is because they can tap into using dark matter or it's a way to kind of like explain souls or other like ethereal mm. Beings, but um, and maybe yeah. a, a slightly more comical take on this was done um, in an episode of Futurama. So the episode is called The Bird Bot of Ice Catraz, uh, quite an amazing title already. Um, but essentially, <laughs> in this episode of Futurama, um, they are uh, trying to illegally transport dark matter so they have this like shipment of dark matter that they're trying to basically get by the authorities without having to have it taxed as like an import or something so they're basically skirting (laughs) smugglers yeah they're They're trying to smuggle in this this um this shipment of dark matter and so to do that they kind of skirt like really closely to some of of the planets um And I think Bender is somehow the captain at this point. Like somehow there's been some disagreement between the crew and it's just Bender and Fry. And Bender is kind of obviously morally uh, questionable (laughs) character. So he wants to... If you've never seen
2: seen the show, he is. Yeah,
0: he's he's the robot. (laughs) Um, So he kind of wants to go. He kind of forces the illegal... Uh, tax evasion <laughs> route by skirting really close to Pluto and on Pluto um, they're housing a bunch of like endangered penguins and um, they end up like having they end up having a spill of this dark matter while they're near uh, Pluto and for whatever reason <laughs> the dark matter ends up altering the reproductive success of these penguins so where is good
2: In a way, because they were endangered, right?
0: They were endangered, so, you know, you would need—they were reproducing pretty normally beforehand, so they had—you needed a male and a female penguin, and they would produce, like, one egg a year, and, you know, they would have to raise the egg, and it's very costly uh, to raise a a baby penguin to adulthood, so— Pretty standard uh, penguin reproduction, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and then they're exposed to this spill of dark matter and suddenly not only females, but males can also produce eggs and they're (laughs) producing them at like... Six eggs every 15 minutes.
2: Spontaneous hermaphroditism?
0: <laughs> Sub- spontaneous egg generation. I don't even know. It's, it doesn't make any biological sense. But there we are. Um, so there's dark matter, I guess, explains this. Uh, sure. Maybe Maybe it's just... Uh, who knows? So So now they're producing six eggs every 15 minutes. And the young like mature really quickly. So it's gone from being a, an endangered population of penguins to very rapidly... A pest. Being like an exorbitant amount of penguins that are going to overflow and kind of use up all the resources available. So then uh, they have to start instituting a, a penguin hunting season to kind of manage the populations of penguins because they're just reproducing out of control.
2: We warned you guys. This was going to be more science yeah, fiction. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So, uh, I mean, how? Like, from a lot of contexts, this doesn't make any scientific sense. But it's amusing and entertaining. And they do use this idea of dark matter as a, a, a shipment or an energy source. But why? Why it would alter the penguins' reproduction? It, I doesn't doesn't need to make sense. That's not the mm-hmm. point. Um, and it's actually interesting because you know, Futurama. It it, it is definitely a comical like out there show that kind of goes to these extremes. But they also do have a lot of um, history with with really doing their due diligence in other areas. So, like, Mm -hmm. they created a whole language for the show. And they had, like, a linguist that created this language for the show. And so, you know, they're a little um, farcical, but... Definitely, that's that's the point. So, you know, dark matter hasn't been, I think there, you know, eventually, maybe I just haven't read enough science fiction or watched enough, yeah. enough science fiction. I'm sure there are some pieces that do it more justice. But mm. for the most
2: part, it's just kind of used Briefly as like, mentioned, like, yeah. Yeah, It's usually it's just
0: like an energy source mm-hmm. or some kind of, you know... Material to be cultivated. Um, and it's funny, too, because, like, sometimes you'll hear dark matter, sometimes you'll hear antimatter yeah. <laughs> as another one. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, it all seems to be just some alternative energy source mm-hmm. for most of these things. There's also a Rick and Morty episode, um, M. Night Shamalians? Yeah. Shyamalians? Shyamalians? Aliens. <laughs> Shyamalians? Yeah, M- yeah. Anyway, you get the joke yeah. uh, in the title, but that also deals with, I think, um, the energy source for... Uh, Rick's, like, portal gun mm. is dark matter, mm-hmm. and, and these people really want to understand how he made it, essentially. That episode's
2: fun. Oh, yeah. If you ever want to go through a trip through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like and, and Inception. And
0: it's <laughs> similar and similar in style to uh Futurama. And in it's, terms it's, of yeah, yeah. And comedy. <laughs> yeah, so if, mm-hmm. if you like one, then you'll probably like the other. Yeah. So that's kind of our, like, lighthearted science fiction versus science fact. Not a lot of science fact A lot of fiction, but entertaining fiction nonetheless. We hope you're enjoying today's episode of Insufficient Facts. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about or a follow-up question to any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, insufficientfacts.com, and click on Ask the Panelists. You can submit your question, and we may discuss it on a future episode of the show. Now, please enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, So now we're going to have Raquel take us away in our Bizarre Science segment where she's going to tell us about a galaxy that potentially exists but without any observed dark matter that we can tell.
2: It definitely exists. Whether or not it's completely void of dark matter is what's up for debate. So our galaxy, and Kyle will go more into detail over dark matter itself, and bear with me, guys. My voice is is struggling right now. But she's here for <laughs> us today. She's going um, to gonna deliver the goods. I have to goods. talk about science. Yes. I have she's, to.
1: She's been yelling into the void for too long. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dark matter still my voice. No, not anyway. <laughs> so our galaxy is estimated to contain about 85% of dark matter. And that's the majority of our galaxy being made up of stuff that we can't see or completely describe because we don't have the tools to do so. So this reminded me of microbes. <laughs> Before we had the right tools to see microbes, mm-hmm. we had no idea that there were billions of these organisms all around us all the time.
0: And we talk about this a little bit in our microbiome episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't listened to that yet, give it a listen. We kind of talked about the, how we even figured out that there were microbes to in the first place, because yeah. for a long time we didn't, we didn't know about these things.
2: Yeah. So there are 100,000 stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way, mm-hmm. but there are 10 million trillion microbes for every human on the planet. And that's not just bacteria, that's fungi, yeah. that's prozoa.
0: Anything that's small, smaller than the eye can see, really, Yeah. and living.
2: So all of these things were all around us. And if you go back to the microbiome episode, you'll learn that we had no idea for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So this is how I kind of think about dark matter. Now, um... It seems counterintuitive that the lack of something being there would indicate that it exists, <laughs> but that's the case with this galaxy. So they found that this galaxy, according to their calculations, which is going to be the point of debate, <laughs> is that the lack of dark matter there in this distant galaxy demonstrates that it does actually exist because, according to our calculations, our galaxy has this presence of. Dark matter. Mm-hmm.
0: So if mm-hmm. we compare our galaxy to that galaxy, it seems like there's dark matter. There's here. a factor missing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So before this discovery, it was thought that dark matter not only existed in all galaxies, but it was actually a requirement for a galaxy to be considered a galaxy. Mm-hmm. So this um galaxy that they found is having scientists question their entire definition of what a galaxy is which is defined as a gravitationally bound system of stars, <laughs> stellar remnants, interstellar gas, dust, and dun-dun-dun, dark matter. <laughs> so hence, Uh-oh. hence the debate. It's breaking the definition. <laughs> yeah, what the heck this galaxy is doing. But there is... Um, some dissent so I love this because this happens a lot in science yeah I don't know
0: if you listeners know this but there are like fierce arguments that can go on for years or decades about certain topics like in every field of science there's Mm -hmm. always you can always talk to someone and be like oh what was a contentious like topic like for in paleontology the the big one that was a people would argue for years is whether birds were related to dinosaurs or not (laughs) Um, that was like people would get like Almost to like fist fight levels of are angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. Just second. Now, now we know. Yes, we have definitive <laughs> wow, proof that, that birds are uh, relatives or descendants of, of the dinosaurial lineage. But uh, and that's just one example
2: of yeah. like, that. These- it's been said
1: that science advances one funeral at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
2: You talking about ideas here or people?
1: Well, you have these people who hold on to these ideas. Yeah, they cling yeah on. literally mm. someone passing away yeah. leaves mm. a lot of space for other people to move in.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this this also this topic uh, of dark matter and, and if a di- yeah. an
1: idea only survives because one person is advocating for it yeah. and they just have a particularly big ego about it, then maybe it's not Probably such a great not idea.
0: Mm, the most robust yeah. of ideas.
1: Like, fun fact, uh, so many scientists were mad at Einstein's idea for relativity Yeah, yeah. that uh, they signed a petition. So there was like 100 scientists that signed a petition saying that Einstein was wrong and mm-hmm. he said, well, if I was wrong, I only need one. <laughs> only one of them has to prove me wrong.
2: Yeah, yeah. And no one could. And there's also a really big debate right now. We talked about this in our microbiome episode as well, I believe, where whether or not the brain has a microbiome. Mm. so that that is a, a hot debate area. right now. Yeah. yeah, you can look that up. Um, we're not sure if it's contamination during tissue processing. Or if there are microbes, yeah, that that's provocative. But like yeah. I've heard
1: of the microbiome as a brain in itself, which mm-hmm. I think we talk about in that episode. Yes. But yeah. to have a microbiome within the brain, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So this happens all the time, and what ends up coming out on top is the facts. Yes. But <laughs> depending on how you run your analyses, this is where discrepancies can come in. So right. one paper was published um, arguing that. This galaxy was completely without dark matter, and lo and behold, shortly after, (laughs) another publication came saying that that is not their assessment of why the galaxy doesn't have dark matter can't fully account for whether or not it's it's there or not, Mm -hmm. so...
1: That's yeah, I read really the response, and it was this very, like, technical review about like, mm-hmm. st- statistics and data. Yeah. And saying, like, well, if you look at it this way, you couldn't rule it out. Mm-hmm. It could still be there, but mm-hmm. it, regardless, it's an abnormal-looking galaxy. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think there's a photo of it. It looks like a donut.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that right? Am I remembering that right?
2: It sounds right. Yeah. I didn't look at what it actually looks like. Do we have an image of it?
1: I think there's an image of it. Um, it was or maybe just, an artist recreation. Or there yeah. was a, there was an image associated with the article, but mm. it's actually very likely that someone was just like, I don't know, that looks weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they could have just looked up abnormal. There's galaxy. a lot of
1: really wonderful artist recreations. Absolutely. Of yeah, of all astrophysics y like, things.
0: Oh moi moi.
1: Oh moi moi. Yeah yeah. Alien death needle that flew through our solar death system.
0: Yes. Also in our <laughs> space episode, if you haven't listened to that yet, that that's where we talk about that.
1: I missed one. Yeah, oh there's Mama. a picture of that it. Was a it looks just. Time. <laughs> I, had, I had
2: to pull it back up. It looks just like a like a dot. Um, you guys, so this article is in Nova. Dark matter in NGC 1052. 1052- D-F-2. That's the name of the A guy. Matter of Debate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the Matter Jokes. So they there's an image up there, and oh, I actually didn't it, test it, that it looks like a night sky, wow. honestly. so
0: Yeah. But anyway, so this is, this is hotly contested, and, and really, you know, th- this is not what science is, is back and forth, and people saying, well, you didn't do this correctly, and you should do this, and no, I did it correctly, and that's just how we learn, and it's part of the process is, is challenging each other to do better.
2: Better science, yeah. and
0: And also claims of, like, definitive claims of this has no dark matter whatsoever. is It's hard to really prove Especially since it's still
2: a theoretical yeah. <laughs> particle, yeah.
0: Yeah, but how do we even know, what, how do we even get the term dark matter? I, you know, like, this is something that we are throwing around a lot, but this is, this whole concept of Dark matter is, is you know, how did we arrive there? So I'm going to have, we're going to switch now to our classic section, classics section and have Kyle lead us through, I think every time I struggle over saying the title of that segment, <laughs> <laughs> classic section, which Kyle is going to lead us through about how we, where the idea of dark matter even came from.
1: Yes, thank you. And the discovery of dark matter goes back to observations of the universe and observations of galaxy clusters. And the stars within galaxies should follow this distribution where they start slow in the middle, very fast, somewhere in the, in the middle of the, of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And then the speed of the stars should taper off towards the edge. So the stars on the very edge should be going slower than those toward the middle. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, if you look at the velocity of stars, it actually goes up and stays up. So the stars on the very edge of the galaxies are going way, way, way faster than they should be.
0: They're just whipping around.
1: Based off of the matter that you can see, like all the other stars and dust and clouds and nebulae that are inside the galaxies. Mm-hmm. And so the only way to keep those stars moving so quickly on the edges of these galaxies is if there was extra matter around the galaxy.
0: That we haven't observed.
1: And, uh, yeah, it's it can't be observed Directly, you mm-hmm. can only see its effect on the star's velocity inside the galaxy. And the, the first person to observe this was this astronomer Fritz Zwicky, this really eccentric Swiss-American astronomer at Caltech <laughs> in the 1933. And he he used this dark matter to explain the discrepancy in the rotational velocity of galaxies. And he it had a famously bad temper, <laughs> and he used to wander around the halls of uh, Caltech asking poor, scared students, who the hell are you? <laughs> and so this goes back to this debate. It's like, uh, you know, he might have been right, but he had such a bad temper, people didn't really want to listen to him. Yeah, you got to talk to people. Right. Share his science.
0: Well, yeah, people... Have people I, want
1: to talk to you. If
0: people don't like you as a person, then they will... I think they're a little more inclined. No, you know, we like to say that we're unbiased as scientists, and we try and be as much as possible, but generally, if you, you if you step on a lot of people's toes, people aren't going to be super receptive to what you have to say.
1: Yeah. So... After Zwicky's time, sort of in the 50s, 60s, 70s, physicists developed two really elegant theories about the universe. The first was general relativity, which Einstein developed in the late 20s, and this explains the big features of the universe and the shape of the universe through gravity. At the same time, physicists were also developing things on the quantum level.
0: just so itty-bitty, Ex- tiny level. Yes,
1: the- exploring the uh, entire world of particle physics. And the culmination of this was the standard model. And so we have these two really elegant, beautiful um, versions of the universe, the uh, general relativistic models and the standard model. Um, and the standard model is a catalog of all the different particles in the universe. So if you go into your cabinet, you can write down a catalog of all the different ingredients in your pantry and your fridge. And so, in the same way, there's a standard model for all these particles. You can have different quarks, and neutrinos, and photons, electrons, muons, gluons, pions—all <laughs> these really wonderful things. Um, and so, we have these two beautiful cosmological standard models. Um, but the uh, the I'm thinking
2: mo- of these particles as being sort of like words in a language. This is making up the language of the universe. Is that how we can think of it as, as mm-hmm. non-physicists? Or like building, or, building blocks. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, it's building blocks. Like and people those. have been using particle accelerators to crack open the different um different particles to see what's really inside of them mm-hmm. and using that excess energy from the collisions to invent new particles. Not invent them, but sort of uncover is that CERN? them. This is what CERN is yeah, doing. Yeah, so this right? is what CERN is doing.
2: Yeah, they just
0: fling particles at each other at fast speeds and then whatever cracks off, they're like, What the heck was that?
1: Okay, so the union of these two models, the particle physics and general relativity, is really the study of cosmology. And so there's really a beautiful, elegant models of cosmology that that depend on very few parameters. One of them being like the energy and mass density inside the universe. Unfortunately, the best model actually only has 5% matter in the universe. Mm Mm-hmm. The other, like, 20-ish percent is dark matter. And then the rest of it is actually this whole other thing called dark energy. So yeah. if dark energy <laughs> is not the same as dark matter.
0: And that's not our topic for today. No. <laughs> if you, you can look into it. So that's a whole separate separate beast, if you will. But the best
1: models of the cosmos uh, that fit all the data really elegantly have very, very, very little actual matter. The stuff that really makes us, like uh, protons, neutrons, um,
0: seems to be the the minority of what's making up the universe,
1: right. so it's maybe it's not even fair to call it normal matter.
0: yeah, We're the abnormal matter. We are the <laughs> abnormal matter. We're unusual.
1: And so there's this um there seems to be a a bunch of this dark matter. And again, I want to distinguish between matter we can't see. So sometimes there's like cool clouds of dust in the universe. <laughs> and you can look at them, and you wouldn't see them directly because they're not shining like a star. But you could see the absorption of dot light from behind it. So it would absorb stuff. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, there's this extra dark matter in the universe, and it doesn't have any charge. It only interacts gravitationally. Potentially, it, it interacts with matter through this weak force. Mm-hmm. But that's all we know about it. So this idea of dark matter is really a journey about what we don't know about it rather than what we do.
2: Mm-hmm. And so there's a
1: couple different dark matter candidates. Uh, one of which is called um wimps <laughs> weakly interacting massive particles and there's this idea in um in particle physics that uh, every single particle has a supersymmetric partner so mm. every every like like electron has a selectron a super electron
0: a soulmate
1: right mm. <laughs> and <laughs> And so this same supersymmetric theory of particle physics invents this other particle uh, that has the exact properties that dark matter has. It only interacts gravitationally. It's very heavy and it only has maybe a weak coupling Mm -hmm. to the other parts of the universe. And so all these cosmologists are running around like crazy trying to find this extra matter and all these particle physicists are like, oh, well, we've, we've got this other thing if you want it. Like,
0: <laughs> Maybe this is what you're looking for? Have a wimp. <laughs> Have a
1: wimp. <laughs> and so a wimp is, uh, so a wimp particle would be about uh, like a thousand times up to a million times heavier than a normal proton. Uh, um, it sort of clumps up on the edges and outside of the galaxies. Um, and unfortunately, we haven't found a wimp yet.
0: Hmm. We're looking for those wimps.
1: There's a lot of ways to look for a wimp. Hmm. You can find one directly. So you can go to CERN, sort of like when no one's looking, turn up the knob. <laughs> make the energy go a little bit faster. Break into
0: CERN. <laughs>
1: so just break into CERN. I need a wimp. a wimp a <laughs> wimp. Give me a wimp. And if you could collide two particles with enough energy, you could make a wimp. And so this is one way that particle physicists are looking for these particles because it fits into their theories about particle physics. And cosmologists want to find one because it fits into what's missing from theirs. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way to look for it is to use a telescope and sort of observe like strange cosmic ray particles coming from the centers of galaxies where like Mm. dark matter is annihilated and becoming pure energy. Uh, so far, no luck there. There is a couple. <laughs> there's like maybe some indication that some gamma ray bursts from certain galaxies may be due to dark energy, but or sorry, dark matter. But no, nothing there. Um, and the last way is to um, try to catch one of these wimps passing through the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the way to do this is uh, to go deep, deep, deep down underground. Uh, so you can avoid all the riffraff and all the noise from the atmosphere and the earth.
0: There's a lot of interference on where you know on the surface of Definitely. the earth. It's hard and, to detect
1: yeah. things. And it you can super cool a bunch of atoms down to almost absolute zero. And so if there's anything that is disturbing them, at this point it it can only be a wimp, because it's the only thing that can really like get through The uh, Earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. for those of you who really know, there are these things, neutrinos, which can pass through the Earth very easily, but you can account for those, and those signatures are well understood. Mm -hmm. So, anything that's not a neutrino that's disrupting all of these very, very still atoms. How often did they
2: think that WIMPs would pass through? Would it be like a constant thing, or...? That's once a- every six months, once every one hundred years.
0: Well if they're supposed to be like twenty percent of the equation and we're only five percent. Yeah. I would think would we
2: even be able to know? Would it just be oh, a constant? These are all good questions. I'm going on a trail no, here. These are all good questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's actually uh, I guess I don't know, it's a really good question actually. Because the <laughs> density of the density of wimps is super high, but you don't quite know like how many you actually expect to find. Yeah. So, um, sorry,
0: what's the difference between a neutrino and a wimp though?
1: So a neutrino is a very, very, very light piece of matter, mm-hmm. and it interacts uh, gravitationally, allegedly, because it, is, uh, it does have mass, mm-hmm. and it, it, they actually account for like over 90% of the energy that comes out of a supernova is neutrino. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's these Super tiny, light really lightweight energy particles that just go fleeing through the universe at fast speeds.
1: Right. And they there you can kind of think of them as the like the cousin or uh, accomplice of electrons. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, there's there's are there are heavier electrons actually called muons. Mm-hmm. And muons have their own neutrinos.
0: Oh. And then there's
1: heavier Oh no. There's heavier ones of <laughs> the muons called tau. And oh. tau also has a neutrino, oh, so there's God. a tau neutrino. Oh
2: Lord. And
1: these um, these neutrinos come out of interactions via the weak force. Okay. And, um, and sort of particle decays. Okay. Um,
2: but not the weakly interacting particles.
1: But these are distinct from uh, WIMPs.
2: Okay. So WIMPs are really heavy and yeah.
0: massive, right? And this
1: actually brings up a really uh, subtle point about dark matter. So because dark matter is observed clumping up around galaxies, mm. it's what astrophysicists called cold because it has to clump up together. Mm-hmm. So... Things that are cold aren't moving very quickly, so they sort of huddle together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And neutrinos are are these very, very, very light, quote, hot particles. (laughs) They they don't actually feel hot because you can't feel them. Right. But they're going very fast.
0: Mm -hmm. They're flinging around. The
1: last time I checked, because I often check these sorts of things, (laughs) is that the neutrino flux is about uh, 100 million per centimeter squared per second. So you have... Hundreds of millions of neutrinos passing directly through your brain right now from the sun.
2: <gasps> Gasp.
1: But they're so light, they uh the they probably weigh like thousands of times lighter than electrons. Mm-hmm. So wimps are not neutrinos. Mm. Um and there's other candidates for dark matter. There's things called machos, which are uh massive compact halo objects, which are uh sort of like little bits of dust that we can't quite detect yet. There's these other thing called axions. Um, There are um, primordial black holes, which are little tears (laughs) in the fabric of space-time from the Big Bang (gasps) that may account for all of this. Um, And so the the short answer to this dark matter thing is no one knows anything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're still learning a lot. Yeah. I'm still hooked on. I'm not even worried about microbes in my brain anymore. Now I'm worried about neutrinos. Neutrinos.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I you mean, need that foil hat. <laughs> so much, so much energy and mass in the universe is carried away by neutrinos, and we can barely detect them. Mm-hmm. There are detectors. There's a few detectors in the world. One of which is one of my favorite experiments ever. It's called IceCube, and um, this group has put uh, basically like CCD cameras. Under the ice in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And when neutrinos pass through the Earth, they sort of come to a screeching halt or a slowdown if they actually do interact with any matter. Mm-hmm. And that deceleration will emit photons. Whoa. And so there's some radiation, Czechnov radiation. And if you go into a, a nuclear reactor, there's like a blue glow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that blue glow is the same glow that would happen when neutrinos pass through Earth and like hit something. I
2: was definitely thinking when Spider Man is made and then you ended <laughs> with a totally technical
0: term. <laughs> I was thinking of the warp core in the Star Trek ship. Nice. <laughs> That's the okay. blue
2: glow is when Spider Man comes out. Sorry.
1: Okay. Nah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes reality is stranger than fiction. True. Um,
2: That's what this episode is definitely
1: telling us. And I have a really wonderful colleague at UC Irvine whose PhD is sort of doing a cataloging of what people call baryonic, or it's the matter that makes up you and I, mm-hmm. and the and the and the Earth and the stars.
0: So the abnormal matter.
1: No people. Sure. Yeah, the five percent matter. <laughs> yeah. There's a great the effort. To, there, there is a great effort to account for all of the matter that we know that we can detect, mm-hmm. and then. That will give us a better idea of this dark matter and dark energy. If you if you can constrain those numbers in a very specific way, you can develop better theories.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Awesome,
0: cool. I mean, so this. I mean, yeah, this stuff is like very cutting edge. It's very like this is, you know, sometimes science. We've researched something pretty in depth, and we're we're pretty confident mm-hmm. in in our claims mm-hmm. for a lot of things that we have a lot of background knowledge about. But for things that make up our universe that we can't directly observe or are hard to directly observe, there's still so many questions that we have and, and new discoveries and new information that we're getting all the time. So we're learning a lot about just the <laughs> basics of the universe, yeah. you know, even today. So certainly, you know, if it's something that interests you, there's a ample opportunity and a, and a career path waiting for you to make lots of interesting and cool discoveries and work with cool people and do interesting science. So yeah. I highly encourage you to kind of, like, look into this a little bit more if it really has kind of piqued your your curiosity. So we're going to move into our last segment now, our Shifting the Veil segment. Um, we're shifting the Veil. Oh, my God, again. again. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, sorry, guys. It's it's I it, We're shifting into our new segment that is Lifting the Veil. I love it. Wow, wow. <laughs> man <laughs> my brain, all those neutrinos they're <laughs> messing up. They're messing up. Don't blame
2: the neutrinos, Christian.
0: <laughs> So're I'm um, gonna talk to you a little about what's going on, uh, what we have going on for us uh, upcoming and what we're we're looking forward to in our upcoming week or so mm-hmm. of, of work or time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> let's see. for me. Oh, um, I can, so my, uh, I kind of spoiled this earlier, but I got some uh, data. I've done like collecting data for Ooh. the most part um, for this presentation that I'm going to give at a conference. And I have started analyzing it and I managed to analyze one portion of it successfully. So I'm happy about that. And so I'm going to incorporate some of the other data and do a better, broader, bigger analysis and then make some cool graphs and pictures and things like that so that I can talk about it at this conference Lovely. in January. Congratulations. But so oh, I Woo-hoo. spent some some, <laughs> some hours struggling with that, but we're making progress slowly awesome. but surely. So that's good news. Yeah.
2: Speaking of data, so I was working on a project in the spring of this year under Emron Meyer at UCLA. He uses microbiome research. And I... I'm still waiting on the data from that. Um, That's <laughs> so we goes, had yeah. fecal microbiota samples that needed to be sequenced, and that takes time. Mm-hmm. Collaborators working on it. But I should get that data back in the next couple of weeks looking at sleep and pain, abdominal pain, and changes in the microbiome. So I'm cool. super excited about that. That is exciting. Yeah, I'm hoping I'll be able to present it in at um, ASM, American Society for Microbiology, next year. So keeping that. Yes, fingers uh, crossed for you yes, yes. <laughs> soon. <laughs> what about you, Kyle?
1: Um, successfully messed with some living things DNA, which I love it. to do. Um, part of one of my research projects is to understand how and why microbes make certain decisions, and especially why they make those decisions in noisy environments with lots of mixed signals. So, in order to do that, we want to mix and match all the different receptors inside of the cells. Mm-hmm. And then uh, see if all of the theories that I've written down for the microbial community behavior match up with the experiments. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been playing around with a bunch of receptors. They all seem to work now. And, <laughs> um, there was a technique for doing this that took me like months and months and months, months to get mm-hmm. right the first time. And yeah. then I did it in like two days.
0: Cool. Yes. Yeah, I mean, once you figure it out, then mm-hmm. that's, you know, you can kind of, that takes, that's sometimes the longest part is just the getting method. the method to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so I'm really excited to see where this technique is going to take me. Congrats. Cool.
0: Exciting. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of Insufficient Facts, where we talked about dark matter, and we hope you'll join us next time. This was Christiane,
2: Raquel, and Kyle. Thank
0: you for joining us on Insufficient Facts. Insufficient Facts <laughs> keep up with our show follow us on social media we are at insufficient facts on instagram and facebook and at inf pod on twitter for bonus content merch and to find out how to get our episodes early visit our website at insufficientfacts.com. there you can also find our sources for this episode and additional research for the topics we discussed today thank you so much for joining us and we hope you'll join us next time And now, please enjoy the trailer for our sponsor, All In My Head. To listen to their show, visit their website, allinmyheadpod.com.
2: So, Nova,
1: what would you like to talk about today?
2: I just want to get some sleep, Dr. Andrews.
1: Quiet. Quiet.
2: So, sleeping... When we talked on the phone, you told me you suffer from sleep paralysis quite frequently. You aren't real. You aren't real. Keep quiet. Four years. I have to say, that's unprecedented. Unprecedented. You you don't exist When I wake up You'll be gone
0: Quiet little girl Can't let you scream
2: You are not real You're just a bad dream Quiet Now how are you going to fix me? keep up with our show follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at all in my head pod for additional content join us on our website at www.allinmyheadpod.com